Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. So the story behind how I met Carla McLaren, uh, I think this is a really interesting way to do an intro for this episode. Uh, I was dating someone uh, who played such an influential role in my life in terms of my emotional development, and empathy was a source of learning for me in our relationship and understanding how to really feel and put myself in someone else's shoes and then learn how to reply. And then it really was like a skill um, that felt like it had to be learned and then over time just became a natural part of being. And so when I took it upon myself to really learn, I tried to find materials on the topic and I saw Carla's book, The Art of Empathy. And Carla was just, when I reached out to her, I just shared with her how much of a difference her book had on my life. And it just, it really shaped me and, and changed kind of my thinking around what's an empathetic environment? How do you respond with, uh, you know, identify with someone's emotional needs and then, you know, respond back in a way that doesn't fix things. And there's a lot of power to what Carla has done. And I think for men in general, uh, not to put gender to this, but I don't always think men are, are taught how to do this so well. Uh, or grow up in households uh, with a lot of women to, to, to learn how to do this. And so I think Carla's book, while it speaks to, I think, a very educated audience, it can really help a lot of people in their relationships, in their personal life, their work life, their spiritual life. And uh, I hope you get a lot out of this. Carla's an incredible author, speaker. She works with companies, really helps bring empathy to the world in just a beautiful way. And just somebody I have deep respect for and hope that you learn so much in this episode. Carla, welcome to the One Away Show. Hey there, it's good to be here. Uh, it's so good to have you. Uh, for those who don't know, I met, uh, I heard of Carla through someone I work with who said, you ought to read Carla's book called The Art of Empathy. Uh, it's taken me down a two month, three month journey um, looking inward and trying to make some my, some changes in my own life. Very helpful work. but. So I reached out to her and she graciously said yes after multiple asks and um, we're here. So um, Carla, welcome to the show. I would love for you to uh, maybe introduce yourself just a bit and then tell us about the one away moment that you wanna share with us. Well, thank you, Brian. I am an author and a social science researcher and my focus is on emotions and empathy and also anything that impedes those. So I have focused a lot of my research on uh, places where there's trouble in emotions and empathy, like big trouble. <laughs> like, um, my, one, uh, my most recent book was Embracing Anxiety. And what I noticed is that most people don't know what anxiety is they mistake it for panic which is a great emotion but it's not anxiety so there's a lot of trouble there my next book on the workplace looks at 
how the workplace impedes emotions and empathy and makes people pretty miserable. So uh, that book is about how to bring emotions and empathy back into the workplace so that it can be a functional social world. Oh, love that. Absolutely <laughs> love uh, the pattern of the way you're speaking about emotions and the big insights and how you're writing about them. Such powerful, powerful uh, work um, that I'm, I'm, I'm discovering myself. Um, <laughs> so tell us about the one away moment that you want to share with us today. I've got three, but I think the first one has to be meeting my third husband, Tino Plank. And I was, I knew that I wanted to be a writer when I was seven. I began writing professionally when I was 20, but I lived a very chaotic life. I had, um, I had experienced uh, childhood abuse when I was young, and that can set people up for sort of a destabilized life. I also had belonged to a cult from the age of 10 to 17. And I got kicked out because I asked too many questions, which if you know me, you'll know I'm always going to ask too many questions. So surprise. But that cultic experience meant that I missed out on a lot of healthy life experiences. And uh, I, I left high school at 16. I just had had enough. Uh, I did test out. So I had, you know, some kind of paperwork. But after the cult kicked me out, I kind of lost a bunch of years. So even though I was writing, even though I was taking care of myself, and I had a child by the time I was 21, um, my life was very chaotic. I was um, like extremely poor. I ended up in a battered women's shelter. It was not a good story. And I held my writing out and my poetry as like a dream of who and what I could be. Um, and I kept writing. A second husband, that didn't work. And I, I gave up on sort of relationships. I was like, I need to focus on myself and my son, who's now nine. And I met Tino Plank through a number of, he saw my poetry and he saw my writing and he, he, he wanted to know who I was from that point. He didn't know that I was a young woman. He didn't know that I was marginally pretty, <laughs> but that wasn't what came, he was drawn by my writing. Hmm. And we eventually got together and I would say, his presence in my life, because he did have a more stable life than I did, made my writing career possible. I had the talent and the and the the focus, but I didn't have any of the support that I needed to to take the risk of a writing career. Because to be a writer, you need to be prepared to be like grotesquely poor, <laughs> and, and I couldn't do any more of that from where I was. So meeting him made it so that I had the stability and footing that I needed <clears throat> and love to wow. go ahead and create the rest of my writing career and going back to school and all the things that I needed to do. Mm. So yeah, um, the, yeah, Tino. So in every book, I, I, I thank him first. Most people think they're, um, they're, you know, partner last. I'm like, nope. <laughs> We're thanking <laughs> Tino first. This is how my career actually yeah. Began. Yeah. Well, I just to add, when you have someone in your life who can really support you in your dreams and share that experience and want to push you forward, 
it feels so good, especially if you know the opposite of that. And uh, I can see or could see why that is so valuable. And it's neat how you said I put them first for that reason. Um, <laughs> so I think the the hitting question here is um, what drew um, him to your work in the first place? And then also, what? how did he reach out to you uh, before he knew you? I wrote poetry for a local magazine. We lived in the northern um, Sierra town of Sonora. And I wrote for the local magazine. I was also, um, I was the promotion director for the local AM FM radio station. And I wrote all of the ads. And oh, I was also the newscaster. <laughs> it was a lot, but you know, yeah, a single mom, you just have to have a lot of jobs. And he had seen my poetry and he had heard my newscasts and he had heard my, I would be there sometimes late at night after I'd been to like a board of supervisors meeting and doing just, uh, and I got bored. So I would make comedy commercials and I would voice them, I would put music under them. And the, the station would throw my comedy commercials into the regular um, commercial, what, um, schedule. And he would listen to them and he would go, this is not someone from Sonora. This is someone from the Bay Area. And he was right. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I had a more Bay Area kind of, <laughs> kind of humor. And so my writing was sort of chasing him all over town and my and my presence was sort of chasing him all over town so he uh he knew i was going to be at a poetry reading and he came to see me specifically but he was looking for an older person because my poetry was not simple poetry it was a poetry of a person who'd been you know who dealt with a tremendous amount of trauma in their life and uh that called to him because he also had as well wow wow uh, so interesting. So he was genuinely surprised. Um, and, and he clearly understood you, though, by, by reading, like, he kind of knew you without yeah. knowing. You. Yeah, who knew it was a message in a bottle? <laughs> it really was a message in a bottle, right? Um, all right. So, so take us to take us to the maybe afternoon, evening that you met. He shows up, he shows up at the poetry reading. And what, what happened next? Well, at the time, I had sworn off all relationships because I just had such bad luck and such bad time. So I saw him and giving me this, you know, sparkly eyed, aren't you interesting kind of thing. And I just shut it down so hard. So you, so you knew he was into you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life rather than be in another bad relationship. And uh, he thought, oh, my God, she's awful. And I so that was how we met um, with me. And I was just sarcastic. I'm very good at sarcasm. So I was just slappy. And um, he was like, who is she? She cannot be this poet. She cannot have written these poems because she's just rough. Mm. So it took us another, I think, four months to get together. It was a small town and we were continually thrown together. And, um, you know, at this or that thing. And finally, one night, uh, I figured out who he was and then we've been together ever since. Wow. So, you know, he, he either just constantly showed up where you were, or, you know, sounds like it's what happened. He just wanted to leave you alone. 
Um, yeah, and he wasn't afraid. A lot of people, if I do my sarcastic thing at them, they will go away forever. But he he would not go away forever. Sounds like you built up some good defense mechanisms. They were awesome. <laughs> Clearly. So um, you said you like gave him a chance, or maybe you let him in a bit. Like you said, you found out who he was. Like, did you do your own research, or did, like when you say you found out who he was, was it through a conversation where you really got to see him for who, who he was? That, but also. I was I was very poor at the time. I was a single mom, and I didn't know this, but he had put on um, a, a get together at the local arts council, and it was a potluck. And I had about a dollar forty left over. It was the end of the month, and I could run down to the store and grab some lettuce and stuff and make a salad for this potluck. And it was the way that my son and I were going to eat that night. And I got there, and it was Tino who had set up the potluck. And it was an African-themed uh, potluck with a, a, a drummer who came to, um, to play in Sonora. And I saw him, and I just went, oh, you again. But he was just right there with me. And, and I sat down with him and, um, and was joking and being inappropriate and irreverent. And he just wouldn't leave. He just like, you are not going to scare me away. And at the end of the night, we had drummed together. And I said, do you do hugs? And he said, yes. And it was like the best hug that had ever been. And my body's like, there we go. That's who he is. I'm OK now. Wow. <laughs> but I had to fight my way into it. <laughs> Wow. So, and, you, and you think, you know, obviously there's a lot of luck and timing and kind of serendipitous events that brought you together and that potluck happenstance. But like when you when you hugged, when you had that kind of physical touch point, like you yeah. like knew internally that it was right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is my home. And that was it. It's very it was magical it was magical and also i was a jerk so that's part of the magic <laughs> hey, you gotta play hard to get i guess <laughs> you can't make it easy for them um wow i love your i just, I just love this um vulnerability um i mean it's obviously not i mean i want to say it's hard for you at this point but i could be wrong uh, so tell us about um like Okay, so you met Tino. You, it was it was home. Um, so then, did you guys just date, fall in love, and happily ever after? I mean, what 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 transpired once you said, "Okay, I'm going to let my guard down a bit." Well, I was still a bit fierce around my son, who had had so much heartbreak from the loss of his my two husbands, his father and my next husband, and so I before I really let Tino in, we, we met for drumming like the next day. And then we sat in his car and I told him about who I was. And I told him about my early um, trauma. I told him about my son. And I also said, I need to be really serious with you. If you come into my life, I want it to be, I want it to be known that you will be in my son's life for the rest of his life. This is not a boyfriend girlfriend momentary situation he's heartbroken and I can't do this to him again and he said yes I agree so I said you can kiss me now <laughs> and that was it but it was the first time in my life I had set boundaries up around relationships it was usually like oh you like me let's get married Ugh, you're 
<laughs> you have all kinds of troubles you don't know how to manage and you don't know how to work emotions and you're actually kind of mean let's get married so oh. <laughs> so well, now i was just like very protective of myself and my son i love that and you talk about boundaries in your book art of empathy i still have a few more years to get through uh, <laughs> but uh good for you what a moment of strength yeah yeah, and, and how lucky I was that he was right there uh, as a young boy who had been abandoned by his own father. He was like, yep, I can, you know, I can fix that wound by, by being a better person myself. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine, or I have to think about for him, you know, that that was a lot to take on all at, all at once. I mean, did you did you trust him when you said that like did it feel like fully natural i mean i mean i feel like that's an easy thing to say yes to just to get emotion you know when emotions in the way but yeah. did it really feel true to you yeah he was so open and honest and i had seen over the months how he had responded to me trying to push him away and he knew he also had early childhood uh, abuse so we were kind of like we're kind of like twins in that way and we knew we knew another wounded person when we saw them yeah yeah and let me if you don't mind me asking the trauma that you talked about that he had and the trauma that you had was that trauma that was kind of um still there that hadn't been really worked through or, or is it something you guys work through together or, or kind of what was the state of the trauma in your own lives because you say yeah. in your book Actually, I was skimming last night. You said it's hard to be in a relationship if you meet someone and they have uh, unfinished trauma. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious the state of the trauma. Yeah, we had both been working on ourselves for many years and we both had similar traumas. They were early childhood uh, sexual assaults. Um, his from a woman in his family and mine from a, a, a male neighbor. Uh, so we both had lots of damage in the area of gender and opposite gender and that mm -hmm. and trust. So that's one of the things I told him in the car before I, I said, you know, I, I have had these experiences. And so I need support sometimes. And uh, I'm not a normal regular person uh, who just deals with things in regular ways. I sometimes need to veer off and take care of things. And he's like, me too. So, so yeah, it was a, um, yeah, it was really, when you say it, it was magical and serendipitous. It was, wow. it was, yeah. Now that we're getting older, we've been together for about 28 years. We're kind of looking at each other going, if either of us dies before the other one does, we're going to be in so much pain. It's going to be so bad. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'll get a, I'll get a cat if you die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> maybe maybe his spirits will come through or your spirit <laughs> or he'll be a cat um oh so i i think it's so um connective and yeah it's just the way you're talking about it it's like you sounds like you still love him as much today as you did back then like it hasn't changed he like i mean i'm sure you guys yeah. have had your arguments and things but the love is at least coming across the screen still so yeah. strong yeah yeah i love him more now because back then i was i was younger 
I didn't understand love completely. Yeah. Okay. T- tell us, tell us what love is before I move on to my next question. Like, what, <laughs> how, like your, your understanding of love then versus now. I think then it was filled with, there was a lot of trepidation and fear and hope and frustration. And, and now it's just certainty that there's nothing that he or I could do that would stop the love from happening. There's nothing that we can't get through and there's no conflicts that we can't fight it out and, um, and figure out how to make things work. We're just such, uh, we're just such an amazing good partnership. And that's why I was saying, yeah, if when one of us dies before the other one, we are in a world of pain, my friend. Yeah. I wonder if that's sometimes why people don't want to love. Completely, you they know. Don't want to hurt. Yeah, they don't want that pain. Do you and just just from your traumas, did you ever feel unlovable? And so maybe you were scared to love. I was never scared to love. I kind of threw myself full on at people, like it was a game of Red Rover. <laughs> but I think yes, I think especially when I was with people who didn't have early childhood trauma, and I would have to pretend to be normal. I'd have to pretend to be just a regular, you know, schmo. Um, And they would find the way that I would react, uh, like, unwelcome, or they would treat me as if I was broken, then I felt really bad. So that's why it was so important for me to be with someone who had a similar early trauma, so we could understand each other and see each other as survivors instead of weirdos. Wow. Um, Well, thanks for sharing. I know I'm I'm pressing on buttons. Maybe I'm not supposed to press on, but it's, uh, I feel a little more leeway in this conversation. Than <laughs> um, not that it makes it right. Um, so let, let's, so, so Tino, I see he was a blessing in your life. He came in and he so he's took in your son. He took you for you yet. Yeah, and he also took you for your work. Um, yeah. and did I support that? Yeah. He maybe described what happened after you met him, um, and how your writing journey maybe blossomed or took a different course and, you know, you've now published a series of books that have been, I mean, I think very impactful. I mean, what, what's happened now? Um, how, how your writing career blossom as your relationship blossomed? Um, it became easier to write and also to plan out books for the future. Cause I had all these books stacked up inside me, but I couldn't do anything about it. Um, because I was just too poor and things were just too destabilized in my life. Yeah. Oh, and I was able to, my first book, which um, was for survivors of childhood sexual assault, wouldn't sell. Nobody wanted it. And mm. I realized I need to publish it myself. And that would could only have happened if I had a stable relationship where there was money. So, so Tino is really the, the, and our relationship was really what helped me be able to, to write this book for, from this very different viewpoint. Mm. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and like, how, how do you guys plan around that in the relationship? Like for instance, hey, Tino, um, my writing career, it's, it's, you know, I gotta get this book, these books out of me, I gotta write. Like, I mean, for as a male, right? I mean, I think just in the way the human makeup is to be the natural provider, but like clearly you had ambition too to provide your journey was just going to take a little bit longer, right? To get to where you wanted to be. So I'm curious from maybe his emotional state and maybe fear, maybe excitement, like what was it like for him being on the other side of kind of fully submerging to 
support your dream while he, you know, to maybe bring the money to, to make that possible. I mean, what a um, courageous act. Yeah. And I think his dedication to my, uh, you know, writing was always really central. And so for him, it didn't feel like, um, uh, like he was losing out on something, but mm. we ended up doing throughout the years is I would take over and he would, he ended his early work. He went back to school. I would take over. Then he would take over while I went back to school and we had, eventually both of us got master's degrees. He's got two. And um, so we, yeah, we just, we just went back and forth, making sure the other person wasn't being held back. Wow. It sounds like you guys constantly were lifting each other up and supporting each other at different points of your life. Yeah, and moving constantly, and we're tired of moving. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, it sounds like you're in a, a beautiful area of the world right now, Northern California. Yeah, it's beautiful when it's not on fire or flooded. <laughs> right, right, and your wineries aren't being destroyed. Yeah, yeah, basically. So cool, so cool. But is there any, I mean, to tell us, I mean, a little bit too, you know, and then we can move. I know you, there were a number of people you wanted to, I think two more people you wanted to share about. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything else you wanted to comment uh, comment on with Tino that you think would be relevant context or support for, you know, what you're talking about um, from the lens of this conversation? Well, I'm before I met him, I found this absurd book called are you the one for me by barbara d'angelis and it's one of those um relationship books and i say that with a sneer because it's very oh my gosh relationship books but this one was so different and so amazing it basically said you need someone who is like you in your own house you can have people who are very different from you outside your house but you need to have someone who supports you someone who believes the same things you do someone who's very similar to you so that you can live your life um, with the support you need with someone who understands you. And so that was really helpful. And Tino had done something very similar. So we both had a list of what we needed in a relationship. And that's why I was so, I'm not being in a relationship with anybody until this person with these 100 bullet points comes along. And there was a way that it was um, uh, me setting you know, setting a, a benchmark that could never be met so that I could stay alone. But um, when Tino and I finally got together, I pulled the list out and I had all kinds of things like doesn't drink coffee, is spiritual, but not religious, you know, is liberal, but not a jerk about it. You know, it was like really seriously specific. And he hit all 100 bullet points. And I went, and I ran outside and I burnt the list because I was like, what did I do? But also I didn't want to trap him there. I wanted him and me to be able to, um, to grow. So, so getting into a relationship with just as much uh, research and specificity as people use when they buy a car, you know, or, or a set of headphones is really good. And before I hadn't done that at all. Um, yeah. Um, and so I, he, remember that vividly reading um you can't not it's, it's right and it was something about there was in there something i think about political values you talked about um i mean they, they may not always be perfectly aligned but at least it's some type of an understanding um 
spirituality i think was in their sexuality was in their sexuality how they deal with money child rearing um yeah. how they are with their family you know every everything that people fight about after they get married because they haven't checked it out right like do the hard work first so you spare yeah. yourself later yeah nice yeah um so interesting um i i think that you know, I, I do a lot of work with young professionals and I think um, just more volunteer actually on the basis. And uh, I think a lot of hardship can be saved for later in life. If they do, they check some of the boxes early around certain elements um, that they often over don't, don't think about. Um, and it might be harder that way to maybe do it the right way. But to your point, yeah, being very careful and specific about, you know, relationships. Um, yeah, well said. I'm glad you. I'm glad you shared that. I, I should have I should have probed you on that. So thank you. Well, it was interesting. I was just remembering when you were talking that Tina was seeing a therapist at the time, and he was very clear about what and who he wanted. This was before he met me, about a week or two before. And he said, "I want a woman with a child because I don't want to bring children into the world because I don't want my family's genes to continue. I just want to end it here, but I want to have." a child and he had other things and his therapist said to him you know you might want to relax some of these because this specificity means you may be alone and tino said then i'll be alone it's like we both had gotten to this place like no i won't i won't live this way he'd been in a very very painful marriage uh and we both had just been through too much it's like wow. nope i ain't doing it <laughs> wow. wow um such such uh, beautiful advice, and uh, it's neat how you guys, I think, came together after both maybe coming to the realization you may be alone your whole life, yeah. and then you're okay with that. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, really, uh, very young buck like me. Um, kidding. Um, no, it's it's incredible perspective, and I love the way you talk about it. I mean, it's like with this heart and depth of i don't know um thank you um well i'm sure tino feels just the same way about you i'm sure if he was right here he would just be grinning with joy um let's move so let's let's move on and maybe there's overlap bill bring us back to tino but i know you mentioned that there was another one away moment or person that you really wanted to talk about um who would that you know who, who, what is that moment or experience you want to share? That is Tammy Simon of Sounds True Publishing, who eventually became my publisher. But after I wrote that first book and created a whole publishing house called Laughing Tree Press, people were asking for um, audio tapes. So I also published audio tapes. And that's the area that Sounds True was working in at the time. I had wanted to be at Sounds True. That was my goal. So I sent them proposals and the proposals all got pushed to the slush pile. I never heard anything from anybody. And so I just went, you know what? I know this is valuable. I'm going to do this myself. I had already been working in radio. So I had a radio voice. I knew how to make things sound good. So I developed my own um, at the time audio tapes remember those remember cassettes and sold them along with my books someone got them to tammy and tammy called me one day 
And her voice is very distinctive. She's on the beginning of all the Sounds True audios. And uh, I answered the phone and there's Tammy. And I was like, <laughs> but I didn't laugh out loud. I was laughing inside, right? Um, and so we talked a little bit and she said, so Carla, um, what book or what would make you happiest? They weren't doing books yet. They were doing only audios. She said, what title and what approach would make you happiest right now? What do you want to put out in the world? And I just stopped for a minute. I said, this is probably the most important question you're going to hear in many parts of your life. So settle in. And I went emotional genius. And that was the first title I did with Sounds True. And that book eventually became the language of emotions, but it started out as emotional genius. And that started a now, what, 20, 20 year or longer um, relationship with Sounds True and, um, mm. and with Tammy. And it was just so amazing because, and I know that I'm incredibly, incredibly lucky, just wildly lucky, but a pitch meeting it sounds true, is them calling me and going, would you write a book about anxiety? And me going, yeah, how many words? Or a pitch meeting is, I've got this idea about a book for the workplace. And then they go, yeah, this is unheard of in publishing. So I know that I'm just wildly, wildly, wildly lucky, but wow. Tammy made that possible. Wow. Now they also say no. They also, right. also, you know, I'm like, what about a book for children? They're like, nope. <laughs> so, so it's not, it's not foolproof, but. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. I mean, it's a, it's a tough industry, so they got to be selective, but yeah. it's like they've been really good with you to let you explore what you really care about, which is amazing. Um, I would love to know, um, first I want to say is, when you find an agent or a publishing house, just because I'm in the world of it in a way, when you find that person who believes in your ideas and your words and your voice yeah. in a way that can make an impact, that's that's very special. Um, but you know what was really important was I had to create an entire publishing company mm. for people to be able to see me as viable because all of the things that I eventually did with Sounds True were on the slush pile, mm. right? The wow. only way that I got in was by taking the time and money and energy to build an entire publishing house for myself. And um, wow. so that that isn't lost on me. Sometimes people need to see that you're a thing before that they can see that you're a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I got to give it to you. You kind of had to create your own path. You yeah. kind of stand out on your own before Sounds True could say, hey, maybe maybe this, this woman is worth kind of bringing into our world. And yeah, sounds, she's original. I'm like, yeah, I had to be. <laughs> well, they, 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 they say the best way to fit in is to stand out. So uh, yeah, um, good for you. Um, tell me this, what, what do you think it is about Tammy? Um, that, that like describe her, like, I'm curious what made her see your potential in a way that maybe others haven't seen, even though you saw it for so long? <laughs> um, I think she's very much a voice. Sounds True uh, started out as Tammy and her partner 
her business partner going out to um, spoken word events and recording them because she didn't want to lose all of this knowledge. It was Buddhist, it was uh, the poet uh, Robert Bly, it was the mythologist Michael Mead, it was Clarissa Pinkola Estes, people that maybe had books, maybe didn't, but you wouldn't have heard of them if Sounds True hadn't existed. So they were very interested in the spoken word and um, uh, and they created this whole thing. She was a, like a, a, a groundbreaker. And so I think she continues to be that. And she likes people who are themselves groundbreakers. I think that's what she saw in me. And she also saw that I could use some support. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's so special. Yeah. Love, love that. Um, and just for you, you know, to create an opportunity to create more distribution, to create more ways in which your voice is heard and, you know, make conversations like this possible. Not that this yeah. is an anomaly, but because your work is distributed and in the hands of many, right? More and more people can hear about it. And it's just, I think that's what's so neat about the author journey is mm -hmm. you can write something and it can still come back around five years, 10 years, 15 years later, because it's just getting to the person who needed it at that time. And that's, I think it's the power of, you know, words and, uh, you know, this, this world that you, you live in day in and day out. Um, so tell us, um, you know, Carla, you've written a few books now, and why did what made you write about um, like there's a thread line or commonality in everything you've written with with emotions and um being a male i think i don't think we're always taught you know the handle emotions until maybe later in life yeah. um what made you pick this topic as as something that you really wanted to submerge into for the long haul because you know you've done a lot of great work in the space and and i'm just curious what made you say this is my this is my niche? A couple of months before I met Tino, I had applied to go to school uh, in engineering physics, and the reason I did that was because I had a kind of a vision of a new form of solar cell that utilized the um, the the pathways of photosynthesis to make a more effective photo cell. I don't know how I had these ideas, but these just happened. And I realized I needed to get a background in physics and engineering, so I applied. And I did get in and I got a scholarship, but it wasn't gonna be a full scholarship. And again, single mom, right? But during that time, there was some kind of terrible humanitarian crisis going on. I'm not sure if it was Rwanda or Somalia. And everyone was sending food. Everyone was sending supplies. And the people who were in that troubled place were stopping the supplies from coming through and people were dying of starvation. It was really bad. I mean, just horrifying. Mm. And what I looked at is that even if I made the most brilliant solar cell in the world, there would still be people like those people in Somalia or Rwanda who would stop it from getting to the people who needed it the most. And what I thought is it doesn't matter about technology doesn't matter. What matters is human emotions. 
-hmm. these people's emotions had been manipulated and disrupted and disturbed so that they saw their own people as as enemies worth um, starving to death. And it was at that point I thought, if I really want to work to make this world a better place, technology can't be it because technology will always be kept from the people who need it by people who don't know how to work with their emotions like hatred and anger and fear and panic. So I went, it's emotions. It's emotions that are the most important thing. And that's where I want to focus my entire energy and my entire career. Holy, that, that was chilling. So can I, can I just kind of clarify what you just said too? Yeah. So you were saying in these maybe poor areas, not to generalize, yeah. they won't even have access to technology. Mm-hmm. And because certain things wouldn't be able to get to them, they'd suffer from that emotionally, but maybe language and words and text is, is a medium that could get into their hands. And because of that, you had to kind of go straight to the root of how, how certain things would make them feel. Is that, did I do that justice? Sort of. I mean, I apologize because I, I, yeah. I, I misinterpret. Being traumatized so early. I have always wondered why are humans such a flaming disaster? Why is human life so full of pain? How, how are we so great at so many things and such uh, failures, you know, utter failures at other things like keeping children safe? And so that's always been a question. And it was one of the reasons I wanted to look into the solar cell because energy was something that was being kept from people. And so they couldn't live reasonable lives without appropriate, uh, you know, uh, sources of energy that were renewable. But when I saw the people, the, the governments and soldiers who were keeping international aid from the dying people, and I'm, think it's, I'm thinking it's Somalia, I just saw that nothing, nothing in the area of technology would help if we didn't figure, if people didn't know how to figure out the technology of their own emotions. And so I didn't want to be, now I never, I didn't get enough money to go into the engineering um, uh, physics department, but I also felt that my energy, energies and intelligence could be used in a place that might do more good over the long run. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I wanted my work to be. My gosh. What a um, striking insight maybe at that time, right? Um, It's weird. I'm, I'm, no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, put myself in your shoes, trying to like, yeah. or just like, I've always used kind of tried to use, think about content and like people we work with as if that works going out, how is that going to impact people? Technology is the means in which to do it. But yeah. you were thinking so like underneath technology, maybe like, what's the root of like, how people are going to feel by the events of the world. And how do I help people? You know, like, I think I thought what you said was so beautiful. You were like, um, there's so much good that people do in this world. Yet there's just so much um, evil, evil and bad things that we just screw up as a civilization and society. And because of that, it's going to drive a lot of emotion around it. And so how do I give people the tools to work with it? Like what a higher kind of order 
vision um, that encompasses your work. And um, I mean, I, I, I really like, clung to that when you were talking and it, it paused me silent for, for a few seconds. So, thank <laughs> well, you. Thank you. So yeah. yeah, like what is, the, what is the root of human suffering? It's our inability to work with our emotions, especially the powerful ones. Yeah. Oh, this, Carla, this, this has been a treat. Um, we have a few minutes left. Um, if there's, I know you said there was a one more person or event you yeah. wanted to share. If that time we have is not going to do us justice, um, I can ask a few more questions um, and then we can kind of share where you can find your work and promote your upcoming work. Um, but I'm just curious with the time we have left, is there anything else you really want to hit hard on that's coming up for you? Yeah, um, my sociology professor, Tony Waters, when I finally got back into school and was able to get a bachelor's and I was in my late 30s or early 40s, um, I was bored out of my skull because most of the courses were for, for kids who were, you know, 19. And they were, they were pitched to that, um, that awareness level and that work ethic. And so I went to one of my professors, Tony Waters, and I said, I am bored. I am so bored. Do you or does anybody in this department need a research assistant, writing help, editing, anything? I'm, please give me something. And he, um, he said, well, I'm writing a book about um, uh, the difference between or, or, or murder. And I was like, murder? I want to be on that. <laughs> so he and I ended up um, writing the book together, although I was credited as a research assistant. And I learned all about um, murder, criminology. Um, it was such an eye-opening, beautiful experience. And then Tony hooked me up with another person in the sociology department, Yanya Lalich, who is a cult researcher. She helped me understand that I had been in a cult from ages 10 to 17. She and I wrote um, books together. I was her research assistant. Uh, we did a um, study together. It was just so, uh, it was so great to have someone hear me say, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, give me something. And then to have that whole world of academic writing open up to me. It was beautiful. Wow. Wow. You've, um, I feel like you've, you've constantly put yourself in these, these places, um, well, I'll come back to this, but you, risky. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not even risky. You put your, you've like, you've given, you put yourself in maybe unknown environments, done things, and not maybe knowing how they'd end up, like really like entrusted um, yourself. Um, my question around that, and then I want to acknowledge what you said is when you were taking those actions, let's say, um, maybe start the publishing house because you knew it's what you needed to do. Or you're, when you met um, um, Tony, sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, well, yeah, there's a Tino and a Tammy and a sorry, Tony, sorry, it's sorry. hard to know. You, met, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and you volunteered, you know, on the sociology side, like, did it, did it feel inherently right to, to make those decisions? Like, was there something coming to you that said, I need to go do this? I mean, you clearly aligned made the most of those situations and you've done it time in and time out. Like, not that you're perfect and you haven't made mistakes along the way, but- Wait, what? I'm not perfect? <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just like, what led you, to, what what gravity pulled you in that, those directions time in and time out that really led to something greater? 
it was my emotions. Mm. It was my emotions. It was boredom. It was fear. It was longing. It was jealousy. It was envy. It was panic. It was depression. It was, you know, like when I feel like this isn't right. No, this isn't working. No, no, no. I listen to the emotions and then I act in concordance with, with their intelligence. Got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, very, very intuitive process, um, for sure. Um, so this, the sociology side of the thing, I mean, what, what a fascinating um, learning kind of journey for you. The fact yeah. that you got to work with, um, you know, somebody and learn that you were in a cult and just like your experiences. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Um, you're such an interesting person. I wish we could do this longer. <laughs> um, Tell us, Carla, where, where, when can we find your work? Um, what would you recommend people to check out? What's upcoming for you and where can people follow you? Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook as me and, and Instagram as me. I have a website, CarlaMcLaren.com. I also have a website where people could take online courses called empathyacademy.org. My most recent book is Embracing Anxiety. And my next book is The Power of Emotions at Work. Amazing. I'm so excited for you. Uh, excited to promote this um, specifically and, um, you know, stay in touch with you. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.